This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock on this bright, crisp April morning. Thanks to Brian Redmond for the last two hours and it's been a great week for winning money in Kilkenny. 2.7 million to a lucky lottery winner and Tina from Erlingford keeping it going. Winning streak 300 euros on Ireland's easiest quiz. This morning on the programme, one business sector which has grown exponentially in the last 12 months is parcel delivery and courier services. We'll be talking to Des Travers, Chief Executive of DPD, about what it's been like in a year which has seen his company grow exponentially and about his very interesting career path from apprentice welder to boss of a company with over 2,000 employees. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked tourism and hospitality and the challenging year that lies ahead for everyone in that sector. Well, there was some good news for tourism and hospitality during the week with the announcement by Falcha Ireland of 19 million investment uh, programme in outdoor water-based facilities. We'll talk to Fiona Monaghan, who's Head of Activities in Falta Ireland, about what this means for this area and how tourism products need to adapt to meet changing tourism in the post-COVID world. And we'll be talking to a woman from Rossmore in County Carlow, whose career journey has taken her to London, Australia and back as a midwife, and how she followed a dream of starting her own business, which saw the opening of the parlour in Castlecomer a little over over two weeks ago. But first, joining me on the phone to have a look through business stories, business trends and what it's like in the world of business is Tom Malloy of Trinity College in Dublin, former Bloomberg man in Ireland and also group business editor for Independent News and Media. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, John. How are you? Lots of business stories making the headlines these days and not all of them good. Good few closures on the cards. Yeah, if you look at the if you look at the paper state, it's almost like the two different worlds going on, uh, our own country and then and then abroad. Here, the, the big stories, I suppose, are uh, KBC Bank pulling out, or almost certainly pulling out, and then kind of taken together with Aer Lingus saying that they're going to cut routes and, and, and cut jobs, and Carphone Warehouse also saying they're going to pull out. It feels, pull out of Ireland, it, it feels as if uh, something is going on, that there's a bit of a trend. And then you look across, I suppose, to 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 uh, well, to China, where where the economy is uh, apparently grew 18% in the last 12 months. Look at the U.S., where Wall Street closed another record high, uh, and it feels as if um, yeah, it feels as if the the world economy is is rebounding very quickly from COVID, doing very well. It feels as if we're still suffering uh, kind of some of the serious. Uh, side effects of this this awful illness yeah COVID and and would Brexit be something around Carphone Warehouse or a lot of British uh, origin um, businesses have pulled out of Ireland over the last year I think Halfords has closed Uh, you know is there a trend going on there as well yeah I think that that, there are two trends and one of them is very noticeable the one you've just mentioned which is the trend on the high street where uh, UK companies just just don't seem to be able to get their supply lines together, and, and certainly the the ones that are still here often provide quite quite a poor service. Companies like Marks and Spencer's the shelves are remarkably empty. And then on the other hand, though, there was an interesting report that's also in the media this this weekend about uh, the financial services sector and who have been the biggest beneficiaries of of Brexit in Europe. And in fact, it's 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 Ireland, it's Dublin. Uh, now these companies don't 
you know, one doesn't really notice them because they're small and they're just a few group, a few well-paid people often. But more of them come to Dublin than, than anywhere else. So there is, uh, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a good news story, but there's a very, very visible bad news story. And I suppose it all feeds back to this this idea that, that retail is in for, for a difficult few months, a uh, few years, I should say. And, and the high street is in for a difficult few years. Even, you know, all the banks leaving, it's going to leave vacant spaces. It's going to leave gaping holes. Banks are often among the most beautiful and prominent buildings on any high street. Uh, one wonders what's going to happen there. Yeah, and the government uh, strategy on banking in in bother really because uh, there was the, I I think there's talk in some of the papers today about the pillar strategy that uh, Pascal Donoghue uh, was defending. But you know, big implications for banking. You know, I spoke to Jim Power on this program a number of weeks ago, and he was saying you know that the 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 choice for business is really small, but the choice has got it even smaller with KBC going. Yeah. We, you know, 70%. It's, it, KBC is a big bank. It's 360,000 customers. So one in 10 people in the Republic, one in 11 people, uh, banks with KBC. Uh, I suppose the optis, optimist in me wonders whether, and this isn't very optimistic, but I'll say it anyway, you know, whether banking itself isn't a kind of a broken and obsolete model and that, that just as we, we see in, in a kind of current account level, people using Revolut all the time. I've kind of lost track now of how many people seem to do all their banking through Revolut. But at a, at a business level, there are a lot of interesting new banks in other countries that are using data uh, to, you know, to, to provide services. And I wonder, is that the future? Is, is the whole banking model, in fact, under attack? And this is just the beginning of a, a bigger trend where we'll see you know, KBC faltering in its own markets as well, and and I suppose just as we've seen KBC announce it's going to pull out, we shouldn't lose track of companies like Stripe that are going to create a thousand jobs, and are perhaps the banks of the future. You know, perhaps we just have to um, kind of move away from banks and think that they're a nineteenth-century invention that that were very useful for a hundred years. But but money is digital now, and, and some countries are looking at replacing their currencies with cryptocurrencies perhaps you know we are at the beginning of a revolution and this is this is you know kbc's banking outfit in the republic is just uh, an early victim yeah. of a much bigger change and shift towards digital currencies now later in the program i'm talking to des travers uh, chief executive of dpd ireland and i think he's taken on something like 800 staff in the last year so there are good news stories out there but i'd be interested in your perspective you worked for many years in the media you're 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 on the other side of the defense i suppose so to speak now but i often find people say to people in the media can you just put out more good news and you know we're sick of just hearing about closures and all that and blah de blah um what's your perspective on it do you think the media is full of too much bad news do you think we cover good news enough what's your take on the media coverage of the pandemic i, I don't think that the media is is a kind of an amorphous thing that that that, that just all thinks in the same way I, I think when people complain about the media my, my first instinct is usually maybe you should change your media you know maybe you should maybe you you need to think about uh what you're reading and and and, and indeed what you're listening to um, I, my own view is, I suppose, since you ask, is that I think RTE has uh, been extraordinarily gloomy 
uh, around the pandemic and 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 yet I would say hasn't really asked enough challenging questions um of course there are individual reporters as whom this doesn't apply but but I, I, I certainly do think that when it comes to business I I I I've often, when I was group business editor, was often on the receiving end of those kind of uh, accusations. I don't really buy them, I have to say, but there is there is a reality that that uh, in in print media, at least, uh, things are so difficult that sometimes reporters confuse the problems that their own industry are facing with kind of the broader problems. The media is bad at seeing new trends. And it's bad at picking up on on uh, thing, good things that are happening, or indeed bad things that are happening. What it what it's very good at is telling you what's in kind of coming six months down the track or one year down the track. Uh, and yeah, I, you know, there's a lot of research that shows that human beings remember bad news much more than they remember good news. Mm. So even if both are reported, people tend to focus on the gloomy. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, but on the positive side, you were talking about economic growth, Tom, and, uh, you know, I mean, last week on the programme, the EU, the IMF released its figures for growth, for global growth in, in uh, 2021, and they were quite positive, really, but like some eye-popping figures, Chinese economy expected to grow by, hold your hold on to your hat, 18%, Wall Street going high, and all that sort of stuff. Talk to us a bit about the EU stimulus package, you know, um, the EU would be perceived as not having a great pandemic, so to speak, you know, the, the whole vaccine stuff and all that. How do you think the stimulus package is going and how is it being received? We haven't heard a huge amount about it. Yeah, actually, there's quite a lot of it about it, the independent today, interestingly, and, and Pascal Dummer, who is kind of defending his, his role as the leading uh, EU finance minister, and he, he's defending it, but... Actually, there was a very interesting discussion about this in the Financial Times last week with uh, Larry Summers, uh, Clinton's former Treasury Secretary and, and now a Harvard economist. He may even be head of Harvard. And, and, and Summers was posing a question that, that, that often occurs to me, which is, is Joe Biden's uh, $1.9 trillion stimulus package just way too large, um, too generous? And have we overlearned the lesson of the last crisis? In the last crisis... When one looks back, perhaps governments should have uh, put more money into the system quicker. Uh, and, and Thomas makes the point that that the financial crash triggered by Lehman and Anglo and so on left an $800 billion hole in the American economy, and the American government only put in about $150 billion. So there was a there was a kind of a, a big gap between you know, missing money, I suppose. This time around, it's, it's rather different that, that the calculated cost of COVID is about three or four hundred billion and and uh, Joe Biden is talking about putting in three four times that and Summers was saying he's uneasy with just the, the extent and the scope of uh, the stimulus package and it kind of I must say his arguments make, make sense to me uh, I know people say money's cheap and you can just borrow and so on and so forth but it has to be paid back and of course it'll be paid back by our children and our grandchildren, it feels very much like we're at the tail end of the 60s and that we're soon going to be entering a kind of a 70s-type economy where we countries are just loaded down with enormously expensive debt. Mm. Um, or expensive debt, but, but debt that, that, that acts as a 
break on economic growth. Tom, uh, we'll move on from that, and but you did mention billions and trillions, and so uh, Elon Musk, probably the most uh, flamboyant billionaire that we've got on the planet at the moment, uh, he's got some interesting plans or announcements. Talk about that. Yes, um, uh, in, in the kind of relentless privatization that goes on, NASA uh, issued a tender the other day, not the other day, but, but a while ago, to, to put a man on the moon. Uh, obviously not not many Jeez, the mind boggles at that tender document Tom stop (laughs) (laughs) I've seen tender documents for a lot smaller which have been defeated me I hate to think what that would be like (laughs) well well, there were two people really running in the running (laughs) Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk two of the biggest um, egos on the planet and uh, Elon Musk has won and apparently he's going to well, he's undertaken to put a, a man on the moon for, I think it's $1.9 billion. Um, now, we're all losing track of what, <laughs> what a billion is these days, but uh, still seems like a uh, relatively good value. Yeah. Um, if you think that putting men on the moon is a, a, good, use, <laughs> a good use of money. I can just say it. Dear Mr. Musk, you forgot to enclose your tax clearance certificate, so we regret to inform you your tender cannot be entertained. <laughs> Tom, we leave it there. Um, great to chat to you, as always, uh, from the sublime and the profound to the ridiculous as we finished off there. Uh, Tom, thanks very much. Goodbye. Thanks, Tom, uh, Tom Malloy. That's uh, Tom Malloy sharing his thoughts on a wide range of things, and the frivolity got the best of me, as it tends to do when we were talking about Elon Musk. But we're going to talk about a really serious business after uh, the break. We're going to be talking to Des Travers, Chief Executive of DPD Ireland, about the whole business of parcel distribution and delivery. Don't go away. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice, www.omf.ie. Uh, John Purcell with you on the bottom line, the programme for and about business on KCLR with you until 10 o'clock this morning when Edward Hayden takes over the hot seat and lots coming for you to keep you informed and entertained throughout the day. Just a reminder that Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce hold their annual general meeting uh, next Thursday, uh, April 22nd at 1pm and it's taking place via Zoom and you can uh, sort out your attendance or apologies just send an email to admin at kilkennychamber.ie and they'll sort you out now over the last year and a bit parcel delivery and distribution has uh, experienced something of amazing growth i suppose due to the enforced move by so many of us to online shopping caused by protracted lockdowns and retailers have have moved a lot of their business online as they've been forced to do well dpd is one of the largest companies in the parcel delivery and distribution business with its vans and drivers familiar sites all over the country and so we thought it'd be interesting to get an insight into the story of db dpd so during the week i caught up with des travers who's the chief executive of dpd so i started by asking him to tell us a bit about the company yeah dpd is uh, the largest parcel delivery carrier in ireland and uh, we've had a phenomenal year now with covid Uh, we're one of the few businesses that have really benefited out of the covid uh, scenario because people are now ordering everything online and they're all getting their parcels delivered to home yeah, can you give us an idea of how many people are, you have on board with DPD? You're in the middle of a recruitment drive again, but there must have been huge growth. 
Yeah, we've, we've recruited 800 people this year and we now have over 2,000 people working for us across the country in every uh, county and island. Yeah, now um, you're, you sit at the top of the organisation, but you didn't start by doing an MBA or anything. Tell us a bit about no. your own your own yeah. personal journey in business, I suppose. Well, I started as a driver for DHL and then I uh, moved into sales and I moved up to general manager. I started Federal Express uh, when I first came into Ireland. That was my first uh, general manager's job and I've had two general managers job and I'm 25 years with uh, DPD now and uh, with different jobs and different guises, including uh, some years in the UK. And uh, I came back to Ireland to head up the company four and a half years ago. Yeah, now not wishing to put any stereotypes on you, but you don't sound like a, an Irish person originally. No, um, yeah, where are yeah. you from? Yeah, I'm from Glasgow. I came over for a two-week holiday to Ireland about 40 years ago. Before you got into the whole world of parcel delivery and distribution and, and couriering, uh, Des, when you left school, your career path took you in a completely different direction. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, when I finished school in uh, Glasgow, uh, the common thing was to get a trade and I served my time as a welder and uh, I did four years as a welder and uh, never worked a day at it after I found out it wasn't for me and it wasn't something I enjoyed. And then I came over to Ireland and when I came over to Ireland, I found a job as a driver for DHL and that's how I got into parcel. And I think you were just the second employee of DHL in Ireland at the time, is that correct? Yeah, sorry, I was the 10th employee, but we were in the little office down in the North Circle of Roads, and uh, basically it was a basement of a, of a building, so that's how DHL started in Ireland. Yeah, now tell us a bit about your journey uh, from driving to actually the top of the company and presiding over what's really very dramatic growth. Now, uh, with you know, you're going to arrive at 2,000 employees and delivering the length and breadth of the country. Yeah, look, I started as a driver and then uh, I saw an opportunity or I was given an opportunity to become a salesperson. I was a salesperson for DHL and then I got an opportunity to join Federal Express. I'm actually the second employee of Federal Express is probably where the numbers, uh, the numbers are a little confusing, but I uh, joined Federal Express in sales and then moved into general management there and basically just moved up the chain. As usual with most people, I got some lucky breaks and some people believed in me and gave me an opportunity and I seized the opportunity just to continue to grow my career. You must be uh, quite a confident person to be able to put yourself out there. Um, it, was confidence a big part of it or what would you attribute your rise to? I think that, I mean, you have to be confident to, to lead a company now uh, and you have to know, I think that one of my big strengths is that I still see myself very much as being able to talk to any driver, talk to any supervisor, manager or anybody else in their business and I think it's a big part of it now to be able to relate to people, understand the job that they're doing for you and appreciate them in the way that we do and we do that quite well at DPD so um, as I say even today now I uh, met a driver in uh, Sandifin Dusty State, stopped, had a chat with them and they all know who I am and, and we're all on first name terms and as I say I think that's the way it should be in a business. Uh, so tell us how uh, DPD was uh, positioned, I suppose, at the start of 2020 when um, COVID was just something that was in the Far East over in China and it didn't figure on our radar and we weren't really expecting it to have the impact that it was. What were your plans for the business at that stage? 
Yeah, it was like the first the first signs of COVID. We spent two weeks doing a crash plan for France on what we thought was going to be either a thirty or a fifty percent reduction in the business, and very quickly, probably two weeks after doing that plan, we should have gone and sat on a beach if we'd known what was actually coming. But two weeks after that, then we uh, very quickly saw the volume started to rise, and and the volumes grew very quickly right through last summer. And it uh, actually gave us some real difficulty because the growth was just enormous. We uh, we just seen that the the online uh, just booming in every area, and then we started delivering things that we never delivered before, like pet food and like uh, household appliances. And effectively, now we just about deliver everything that you uh, want to order for your house, and we deliver it uh, to your doorstep. And that's become the norm now and our volumes just uh, continue to grow and grow and grow and then we had to adapt to be able to get ourselves through. I think one of our proudest moments really is getting through the peak last year because we had the summer growth and then we did normal cyber weekend growth on top of that and by the time we got there we got to grips of it and we really did a great peak last year. Now uh, the the challenges posed by contraction of business are are pretty obvious but talk to us a bit about the uh, challenges of such rapid expansion particularly in the midst of a pandemic. Yeah well in some ways the pandemic helped us a little bit because there were so many people looking still looking for work so as we said earlier on the interview we hired 800 people um, and we have you know we at the moment even today we have pilots working for us chefs we have uh, bar managers, we've all sorts of different people from different uh, backgrounds all uh, working for us, either driving vehicles. Okay, so the, the real challenges of the growth have been able to actually expand the business uh, at such a pace to be able to keep up with the parcel volume and the customers are going to give you. So so we had to put in additional uh, people into the hub. We had to run the hub for extra hours. We had to put additional floor space on the depots. So some of the depots had to move and had to double in size and then obviously we had to hire then 800 people and we got them uh, fortunately enough out of the pandemic there was a lot of good quality people like pilots and chefs and bar managers and they're all now working for us this day and we hope to retain a lot of them but surely some of them will go back to their own businesses once the businesses reopen again. Yeah looking ahead to post-COVID that must um contain a certain amount of uncertainty for you you will have that personnel challenge that you you mentioned perhaps pilots returning but also are you anticipating a drop in uh, demand as perhaps uh, online business uh, contracts a bit or how do you see the future i don't think that the, the it'll contract a lot people are now in the habit of it have had nearly between 14 and 18 months of actually living their lives this way and some of them quite like now actually being able to get the parcels to their door and not have to go out and do all the, the normal shopping things. But but for sure there'll be some contraction, but at the same time, our new business is extraordinarily strong. We're very good in the market. We're taking parcels from all our competitors. So we don't really see the growth as being a difficulty for us for the rest of the year. Um, finishing off, what kind of advice would you give to uh, young people who are thinking, uh, you know, who are in school or are facing into their leaving certs in an un- uncertain environment, what career advice would you give to people? I'd, I'd say that hard work and determination are two of the highest qualities you can have uh, going into a business. And if you go into the business with that attitude that you are going to succeed in there, you do it sometimes need a lucky break that somebody will believe in you and give you an opportunity. 
but the two things that I would say to the young people leaving school now is if you're prepared to be honest, hardworking and determined, then you'll go on in most businesses. And what about people uh, who are running their own businesses? Many people I speak to are finding it very difficult, very uncertain and so on. What advice would you give to them, business owners who are, are under pressure at the moment? Well, well, look, sometimes we feel a little bit embarrassed talking about our growth and our success because we know that an awful lot of people are out there in COVID payments and not quite sure how their uh, world's going to actually uh, be when they get back into business. But again, similar to the, the last question, you know, it's a determination to get yourself back up and running again. It is a question of whether or not your customer base will still be there for you. And uh, if it's not there for you, then you'll have to reinvent yourself and enable yourself to be able to uh, grow the business again back to where you want it to be. It's not easy. That's not a difficult. Uh, it's a difficult thing for people to do, but it's the only option people have, really. That was Des Travers, Chief Executive of DPD Ireland, talking to me uh, just yesterday about uh, the growth of his con- company over the last year. And a pleasure it was uh, to talk to Des. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme Foreign About Business on Casey Lawrence, just coming up to 26 minutes away from 10 o'clock. After the break, we'll be talking to a woman about her business journey, uh, which saw her go from Ross Moore outside Carlow all the way back to uh, Kilkenny via Australia and setting up a business during the pandemic. Don't go away. Local at hours. KCLR. John Purcell with you until clock on KCLR. We're talking business. This is the bottom line, the programme for and about business. Now, just a, a mention of something that the local enterprise office in Kilkenny are doing, which will be of interest to retailers, and it's the Kilkenny Retail Support uh, Reboot and Energize, reboot and re-energize rather and it's a two-day workshop which takes place online on the 26th uh, of April and Monday the 10th of May and it's specifically designed to help businesses as the marketplace begins to reopen and hopefully that's something that we can look forward to over the next couple of uh, weeks and months. This workshop is being delivered by retail expert James Burke, a man who we've had many times on the programme. It's always interesting to talk to him and he's spent the last year working with retail businesses who are reinventing and creating new business opportunities at a time of crisis in the marketplace. And speaking of new business opportunities, our next guest is one who spotted something like that. Her name is Magella Dempsey, and she grew up in a large family in Rossmore, outside Carlow. And for many years, she worked as a midwife, a job which brought her to Australia, where she lived until four years ago, returning to Ireland when she bought a property in Kilkenny Street in Castlecomer. And the property, which was in need of renovation, included a vacant retail unit. And although working as midwife all along, Magella harboured an ambition to start her own business. I'll let Magella tell you the rest of the story. Yeah, I suppose um, before the pandemic even started, um, I was working on the house. Um, like all the floors needed to be taken up, um, insulated. So... Along the way, um, I was um, doing the restoration. Well, I wasn't. Well, I was doing some of it, but doing the restoration work. Then the pandemic hit, so it kind of delayed things a bit for builders, um, like being able to come into like a residential um, property. Yeah, it was hard work because I worked full time um, as a midwife and did like you rotate from days to nights. Um, and you've got all the other commitments of your family life as well, getting dinners ready, getting the kids to school. Um, so yeah, I think the last two years have been extremely busy. Um, 
but I mean, sometimes I was probably more focused than others, thinking I'm going. I know I'm going to get there eventually. Um, and then when I definitely decided to um, open up a shop, initially I wasn't sure if it was just going to be a small um, cafe, um, but Castle Comer is well equipped for beautiful cafes and um, restaurants. So then I decided along the line of an ice cream parlour. And that idea probably came from like touring around Ireland when you go to, to Dingle or different places with the lovely ice cream shops down there, and especially in Melbourne and Sydney. When you're on holiday, one of the things your kids' treats are is going to a nice ice cream shop with gorgeous gelato and sorbets and um, treating yourself. So having made the decision, um, what was involved in going from the idea basis? You had the shop unit, the old shop unit, but getting the doors of the parlour, which is in 85 Kilkenny Street in Castlecomer, just talk us briefly through, you know, the start-up phase. Um, I suppose the first start-up place was um, talking to Jerry Reynolds in the credit union, which is next door to me, um, about like a, a loan, a business loan to actually get it up and running. And one of the, and I spoke to Jerry, and um, he was lovely, but I needed to do a business plan. And I think out of everything, writing up my own business plan was probably the hardest thing to do because it really brought me down to. Um, realistically looking at my plan um, and going through all the aspects involved in a business plan and seeing it, if it was um, a viable option. Um, so even though it took me probably about two weeks to do it, it was a brilliant um, working experience for me because then by the time I'd finished it, I knew then that this could definitely work. Um, and then it was um, once the loan um, was approved um, I could um, start at work and I had um, lo- I went to um, Andy Duncan in KPP in Kilkenny he was great he um, drew up plans um, for the outlay of an ice cream shop um, I had Joy Thorpe who's actually next door to me she does interior design she was amazing with um, picking out the different colours for both the outside of the shop and the um, inside the shop and different features like the lighting, the tiles, um, everything like that. And then it was just mainly getting in, um, like the electrician, which was Colin Marr, um, and some plasters, Paul McCarthy for carpentry. Um, yeah, it was just trying to coordinate everybody at the right time. Um, Made particularly difficult, I'm sure, in COVID. You opened the doors on the 2nd of April. How's business been? It's been brilliant. I like, and um, it's been amazing. I couldn't believe it. Like the first and second day, we had queues outside our door for ice cream. It was just like amazing to stand outside the shop and look down and say, "There's people waiting to buy your product." Uh, it's not my product. Like we have, and part of the product, is, one was the um, things that I took my time doing was going out. Um, like a really good gelato and sorbet and I sourced that from Scoop Gelato down in Wexford um, and they're fantastic with their delivery with their selection of gelatos available um, with like different supports and like even uh, presentation of your gelato like in the counter um, yeah so it has been really good once the sun is shining people are stopping by for ice creams and We've, I think I've only had kind of one quiet day since I've opened the doors. The rest of it's been very busy. 
And um, so hopefully looking ahead to uh, a, a busy summer as well. How have you found the transition from working in, in a healthcare setting to running a business? Um, yeah, I suppose now on my own, but I suppose it's a lot more responsibility. Like even though I've had different positions as a midwife and um, in management over the years, I suppose when you're in the HSE or any other um, healthcare um, system, you have a certain degree of responsibility, but um, it doesn't all lie with you. When you're setting up your own business, um, I suppose the biggest thing is it all comes back to you. You have to be on top of everything. You're the like general manager, you're the overall manager, you're looking at stocks, you're getting contacts, people are ringing you. Um, yeah, it's like it's full time. I think I'm more busier now than I ever was in the HSE. But it, it does get easier. I think I was overwhelmed probably the first week, but certainly um, as each day goes on, I'm more organized. I know exactly now my stock levels, um, like who to ring if there's a problem. Um, and I look forward to going to open the doors in the morning. Like we open um, usually 11 to 8 in the weekends and then 12 to 8 during the week. Um, so um, once I'm inside the door, then it's... Um, it's busy from then on. Yeah, you mentioned your daughter Leah, born shortly before you went to Australia, back with you, obviously, and she's involved in running the shop. Yeah, no, she's been brilliant. She was um, fantastic, uh, even now, and, and especially in the first couple of days, she was like my boss. <laughs> she really took um, everything in her stride, and she was very organised. And even with the young, like some young staff as well, some casual staff working, like she was able to delegate jobs, she was able to um, show them what to do. She kept an overall um, eye on how everything was running. Um, and she's been brilliant. She organizes the Instagram and the Facebook pages. Yeah, so she's been kind of the backbone as well alongside me. So I couldn't have, definitely couldn't have done it without her. Um, and like with her ideas i'll always go through different things that i want to do or change and um, you know so and she's in the middle of doing her leaving cert as well so she's probably going to take some time out from the shop um like working casually until the summertime so yeah you mentioned your business plan which you put a good bit of thought into how are how's the performance measuring up against the business plan are you pleased about performance year to date and looking ahead confidently um, yeah, I, t I think I am um, very confident. Um, I've, in the next couple of months, I'm hoping we have an archway beside the shop. So if in, um, in the next couple of months, I'm hoping to get that area paved for outdoor seating that will accommodate clients when they come in for an ice cream. They'll have somewhere like within the COVID restrictions to sit out and have um, an ice cream an ice cream with a nice garden view as well well look Magella it's a, a pleasure talking to you and best of luck you to much, you John. with your daughter Leah that's Magella Dempsey who along with her daughter Leah McCarthy is operating the parlour which is in 85 Kilkenny Street Castlecomer do drop along and enjoy an ice cream in this lovely sunny weather Indeed, it is a lovely sunny morning here in Kilkenny City and hopefully it is sunny wherever you are and if you're in the Castlecomer area, you do drop along and say hi to Magella and her daughter Leah and buy an ice cream and support local business. Now, a couple of weeks ago we were talking tourism and lockdowns and businesses not being able to open but uh, circling back to uh, tourism, there was good news 
during the week uh, with the announcement by Minister Catherine Martin in Falcha, Ireland of £19 million in investment to develop state-of-the-art facilities for outdoor water-based activities and I'm delighted to be joined on the line to talk more about that by Fiona Monaghan who's Head of Activities at Falcha, Ireland. A good news story, Fiona. Yes, indeed, John, and uh, thank you for the opportunity to share the details with your listeners. Um, in Walsh Ireland, for the last number of years, we have been looking to develop Ireland as an outdoor activity destination and one that we will be credibly recognised internationally. But in order to do so, we need to make sure that we have the proper enabling facilities and infrastructure in place. So it's not just about COVID in this case? In fairness, this project was being developed prior to COVID, but it couldn't have come at a better time in light of everything we have seen over the last 13 months with the massive uptake by Irish people in all things outdoors, probably by necessity, but I'm very confident that a lot of people, this will now be part of the way forward and their future activities and will form a key component of maybe their future holiday choices in looking for outdoor activities. So the timing actually has worked very much in our favour for both local people domestic visitors and ultimately international visitors. Yeah, now uh, I'd be kind of willing to dip my toe in Irish water, be it a river or the sea, probably about once every eight or nine years when we have a heat wave in the middle of June or July. But um, there are, it is a big market. People like swimming and kayaking and all of that stuff all year round these days. It is indeed. We have to work on you, John, now. That's not, you're, you're not in the majority this year. But it's true. Irish people, we tend to mainly have, a, as you say, it's when we go on warm overseas holidays. But there's a growing, growing market, particularly in the family market for surfing, for kayaking, for stand-up paddleboarding, a lot of um, wetsuit-facilitated activities. And that's the other big change in recent years. The availability of wetsuits has made the Irish water a lot more enjoyable and palatable. But for our activity providers who offer a wonderful service, the changing facilities and the opportunity for their clients to be able to change out of the elements, have a warm shower after their activity will be crucial. So this investment in Kilkenny will really support those businesses and will encourage them to be able to stay going longer. So we'd love to see more participation in April, May, right into October and November through the provision of these facilities. You'll be able to leave your belongings in a safe, secure locker. There's the option for the nice warm shower afterwards or for the hardier souls they can rinse off in the the external cold water showers Uh and bathroom and public facilities. And there's an orientation space in these new buildings as well, um, which will allow your activity provider to meet their group, outline the, the details of the activity they're going to enjoy, and most importantly, give them their safety briefing. And we will have orientation panels so that once you've had your fabulous water-based activity, you can then have an idea of, well, what else can I do while I'm here? Where are there other activities and other things to do and see? So it will op- um, operate as an opportunity to refer clients and consumers to, to other things to do see in an area. If yeah, and this, in Kilkenny, this is going to be in the city centre um, on the banks of the River Nore near John's Bridge, uh, just in county council offices. So changing rooms, showers, a pontoon, all that sort of stuff. It absolutely is, and we have at the, the, the 22 locations are a mix of, most people think coastal and, and river bank, well in this case it is, but urban is the, the intriguing piece here, so it's fantastic to see these facilities being developed in the city, on the banks of the Nore, looking right across at the castle, and in fact most of our locations, John, are because they're on or close to bodies of water, they're in very sensitive areas, so we have upheld the um, environmental considerations and are doing all the appropriate environmental assessments to 
to make sure that these developments are being done in a very sustainable manner with due regard to the wildlife and the very sensitive and protected sites um, and to maintain our water. So this is about providing facilities for people to be able to enjoy the water, but at the same time making sure that we mind that great natural resource and asset that we have. Okay, Fiona, stay with us. We're going to take a quick break. I'm speaking to Fiona Monaghan, who's Head of Activities at Falcha Ireland. We're talking uh, water-based activities and a big announcement by Falcha Ireland during the week. It's just coming up to uh, nine and a half minutes away from ten o'clock. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie At the heart of it all. Indeed, uh, John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock. We're talking about the announcement during the week of uh, investment by Falch Ireland in uh, state-of-the-art facilities for water-based activities and investment coming the way of uh, Kilkenny in the first instance. Uh, joining me on the line is Fiona Monaghan, who's Head of Activities at Falch Ireland. Fiona, what kind of time frame are we talking about uh, for uh, the, you know, the building of this work in Kilkenny? Well, the project has been developed in partnership with Kilkenny uh, City and County Council, and the next step now will be to go into detailed design with the objective of submitting planning applications during over the summer time frame um, with construction hopefully to start in very early 2022. So really, the, the the sooner the, all the regulatory requirements are in place and the construction can start, we anticipate in the region of a four to six month build. So from the middle of next summer onwards, we would hope to see these new facilities coming on stream, but definitely all 22 to be fully operational and functional at the latest for the 2023 season. Yeah, now um, it's fantastic news and uh, an email came in from a listener that said fantastic about the development on the River Nor in Kilkenny. Unfortunately, the best part of the river from NSD to New Ross has been completely ignored trees and boughs need to be cleared from the river gone is the time when you had a floating restaurant coming up from New Ross and boats coming up and so on the river is lying idle now and has the most gorgeous scenery what, what's your response to that do you, you do you actually need to have some people operating businesses there before you can start supporting Correct. In fairness, the, the whole objective of this investment is to support jobs, to support economic opportunities. And in order to be eligible for this funding, the local authorities had to be able to demonstrate that there were already existing activity operators in those locations in the general area, which is the case in Kilkenny. But I think with our, our renewed and newfound enthusiasm for the water and the hours, I would be optimistic that we will see a lot more investment in our waterways and possibly upgrading, be it through local community involvement, through local authorities, and that more of these types of facilities will come on stream. And it's Falch Ireland's ambition that this is phase one of this particular investment scheme and that we would be hopeful that in 2023, as these facilities are completed, we will be able to have a second round of funding to have even more of them. And our objective is that visitors, both domestic and international and local people, will come to recognise these facilities as being best in class. They will all have a very similar look and feel and they will know that when they come to an area that, oh, that's one of those water sports facilities, we know we're going to get high quality facilities and that they will even be potentially a motivator for people to choose those destinations for outdoor activities. Because it's very important that people actually sort of let the scales fall from their eyes and realise what great 
tourism assets we've got. And, and a case in point was that was, I suppose, the packaging of the West Coast into the Wild Atlantic Way. Um, people just kind of regarded it as just the West of Ireland and all rocks and the sea and all that kind of stuff. But it's really been a boom. Sorry now, I know you're from Galway, Fiona, but it's really been a boom um, to tourism and has given a focus and has gone down very well internationally when people could visit and hopefully they'll be back again. And they will be back again. I mean, I know it's very, very challenging currently for our industry. And it was wonderful to hear your your earlier guest speaking about opening a new business in these very challenging times. But the domestic market has played an absolute blinder. I mean, last year uh, of the international or the domestic holidays taken, 98% of visitors had their expectations exceeded. And these would be people who would predominantly have taken their overseas holiday or their summer holiday overseas. So there's a a lot on our own doorsteps. And as you mentioned, by the likes of the Wild Atlantic Way and in Ireland's ancient east, by presenting what's in an area to people, make people think twice about it maybe take the time to realise, wow, we have all these assets on our doorstep. In fact, we often have them to a better quality than we find overseas and to go and explore them and enjoy them. And in Kilkenny's case, I think Kilkenny is very fortunate with a great mix of both built heritage and cultural assets as well as the natural assets in the River Nore. And now these facilities combined with all the other investments taking place in tourism products will really be making Kilkenny, not that Kilkenny hasn't been a must-visit destination, but will now give a new reason for people to consider visiting. Okay, um, that's uh, very good to hear, Fiona. You're feeling uh, optimistic about the future? I am feeling optimistic about the future. We have a hard couple of months to come through. I mean, and, and you know, the last 14 months have been extremely difficult. And again, we'll be very reliant on the domestic market for later in this summer when we can safely reopen. But I feel there's an opportunity now that Irish people will have experienced Ireland in a very different light and that we now have maybe be first choice destination for some short break for main summer holidays for families big outdoor focus on families and all the range of things we can see and then from next year hopefully when we can safely start to welcome back international visitors we'll be in a very strong place and all the great work that's been done with the industry with the resilience task forces that are in place and all the various stakeholders so while we have a couple of hurdles to overcome yet I'd be confident that this industry is is resilient and will come back stronger than ever before. Okay Fiona, pleasure talking to you look I'll actually consider taking a dip in the River Nore maybe even from myself and, and, and then we can just say job done. Thanks very much. That's Fiona Monaghan, Head Thank of Activities you, at Fall Charlotte, bringing this edition of The Bottom Line to a close for this week. Remember, if you have any comments or ideas you'd like to get to us, you can email the bottom line at kclr96fm.com or if you'd like to listen back to this show or any episode of The Bottom Line, just download the KCLR app and check out the podcast section or search for The Bottom Line on KCLR on the Apple Store, Google Pay or Spotify. You might even find a few bonus bits and pieces but don't forget to let us know what you think by rating or reviewing our podcast thanks to all our guests this week Tom Malloy Des Travers Magella Dempsey and Fiona Monaghan thanks to Deirdre Drummy who produces the show and thanks most of all to you for listening we'll be back next Saturday just after the 9 o'clock news until then keep safe keep your distance and keep the faith The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you in association with O'Neill Foley Accountants. Our website, onf.ie, shows the full range of services we provide to businesses large and small.